0: Love Life, featuring your hosts Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. As I recognise shame, I build resilience to it. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And today we're talking about shame, pride, and keeping face. It's an interesting topic, and shame is not an emotion that we've certainly ever spent any great deal of time on. Why do you think it's an important emotion for us to pinpoint in this way for a half-hour show? I think it's something that everybody feels and experiences many times in their lifetime and it's something that is instantly put into the dungeon. It Mm. is suppressed and pushed so far down. People are too ashamed to to talk about their shame. It's big in childhood. It comes usually really early. There's ways that adults around us or peers, etc., behave that make us feel like they're embarrassed by us. Yes. And there's this sort of, um, it's a social emotion, isn't it? Like it's something that we feel because of others or around others. I can't believe we've never done this topic. I can't believe I've never spoken about shame. I have with men in my coaching but never in a bigger arena, never at any of my talks. And why men? What's going know. on there? What are you finding? I think men feel deep, shame. About what? I think they feel more pressure to feel—not sh- sh- to feel shame, but they feel shame about being inadequate in terms of social rankings. Yeah, of the success. alpha male and all of that. Isn't yeah, that fascinating. Yeah. So they, they don't shame—they're not a man. They don't meet certain societal criteria. Marks. They, yeah, okay. Yeah, but having said that, we all feel shame. Women do too, and I, everybody feels shame. That's right. And I feel that you know. But one of the things—well, the earliest memories of shame will be. You know, you're standing somewhere, and suddenly your legs go all really tight. You know, because your your body goes really tense, or your fa- your, flame, your face flaming, your face yeah. going red. The shoulders kind of hunch over to protect your rib cage, almost like you're trying to, you know, hide yourself from the barrage yes. of the scornful eye or of the words. Because and I think that we could say to our listeners, give us an early memory of shame, and they will be able to tell instantly a story that they feel really embarrassed, yeah, and ashamed about and when you're younger it's usually things like uh connected to the body like bodily odors bodily functions things that you know about oh it can be behavior too though yes or it can be ways that you behave which as you're a child you haven't really got the sensor on yet the filter right so you just kind of whether you're dancing and singing loudly or you're saying i want to be an astronaut when i grow up or whatever you're saying and if the adults around you have you know of course those sorts of awkward, rigid, stiff, limiting type protocols and beliefs, they are going to shame you if they feel embarrassed by your behaviour, which, of course, is all about them and not about you at all being a free, beautiful child. Isn't it funny? I remember being uh, my mum being interviewed for the paper a long time ago. I was quite young. And then when she read it out, and in there they said, and there were pretty little girls there mucking around and dancing. And I said, oh, mummy, they wrote about me. And she went, there were lots of pretty little girls there. It wasn't necessarily you. And from that moment, I never felt pretty. Oh, Jane. I know. There you go. See, there's my memory. So, Bang, it, done. Is it, sh- is that shame or? It was, ash- I, I was, was it- ashamed that I had put myself in the category of being pretty. I see. Wow. Yeah. Because shame is so intricately connected to self-worth. Self-worth. Exactly. You know, it's all about, um, I am bad, you know, being shamed for something is this feeling like there's something wrong with me, uh, I'm not a good person. I think it's also isolating and that's why people don't share their stories of shame because they feel they are unique to them. Yes. And the very first thing I want every single listener to know is you're not alone. Mm. Whatever stories of shamefulness they could share with us, we would be able to get 100 exactly the same. These are universal emotions. Yes. Absolutely universal emotions. And the thing about shame is so, you know, in childhood we know the sorts of things that it is. And as you get older, there might be similar types of things like the people in the boardroom laugh at you or you made fun of on Facebook or things like that. But also when people start to get into behaviors like addictions, you know, or we could talk about porn or things like that, where... The, the grown adult, the intellectual part of their brain knows that there's something about it that's either morally not quite right or it's just not what a high functioning person in society should be doing. Mm. They go into a lot of secrecy. Yeah, I was going to say it's the deep dark secret. shame. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. So, so I think the, the first thing to recognize is what does it feel like with shame? Because it, it, we feel it before we intellectualize it. And so what will happen is people will. Feel it and then suppress it so fast that they haven't intellectualized it. It's a really awful emotion to feel. Yeah, you get, we are, we are reactionary to suppressing that. Yeah. Very quickly. Yeah. So start to be aware of what does your body feel like when you feel ashamed and recognize how that is in you. Now, for me, it's always about tenseness in my body or heart racing. Yeah. I don't tend to blush. I don't get hot, but some people will, you well, know, I there blush. are those people that blush. I do. And yeah. and you know and I feel for them because the whole world sees it as well. You yeah. know that person and in the schoolyard that kid that goes bright red in the face instantly yeah. and and it, then and they become a target for the bullies. It intensifies the moment of mortification and actually makes it even worse. It's yes. Yes. like time stops like in a movie. They love making fun of these moments in movies where you know something happens and everyone turns to look at the person and it's like Argh! <laughs> the moment where the girl thinks the boy wants to kiss her and he didn't he was actually just taking something out of her hair and i know those they're cringeworthy. And cringe worthy we cringe cringy at the memories and they're crushing and that's that thing about your your shoulders actually slump over it's like your whole body your rib cage kind of it's like a blow to the chest you actually feel crushed where the moment before you'd been happy and free and having fun and just being yourself yes. and the next moment all of a sudden it was like the whole world turned on you and you couldn't even breathe Do and no i think that it's that shame is at the root of what paralyzes us from authenticity and free living. How's that for big? It's a pretty big statement, Jane. It's a pretty big you statement. going to go into that? I feel that when we are young and we feel shame that it is giving us, usually we're ashamed because we weren't aware that what we were doing or feeling or expressing was not what everybody else was doing or feeling or expressing. That's right. We feel the isolation. And so, therefore, we start to mistrust our freedom to be who we are. And so as a result of that, we have learned behaviour instead of free behaviour. We shut ourselves down. We do. And we begin to disown parts of ourselves and ostracize them out of us, like they're still in us but we're holding them at arm's length and saying, I, I don't identify with that part of me, I, I don't know that girl, I don't want to be that person and that's where we shove it down, down, down and don't deal with the painful, back to inner work. right, the painful feelings still surrounding it that we haven't really processed yet and sat in and well, understood. If I think of when I was a young child, I loved, I was always doing, well, I was a, a dancer from a very young age, so I loved dancing. I would dance whether there was music on or just inside my head. I would do cartwheels. I was permanently upside down when I was practicing handstands, cartwheels, walkover back bends, and all of those sort of fun contortions, kind of funny, flippy, show offy things to do. But I wasn't doing them to show off. I just felt so free doing that. My body just was dancing. I loved it. But I can remember it was, oh, you're showing your undies. You know, that the shame that that would come not just from parents, that would Gosh. come from friends, from enemies, from school teachers. You know, it was suddenly I had to, I had to change that behavior. And then I would hear music and I'd get up to dance and be silly with whatever I felt like doing. And then I'd see people as I got older, teenage years, looking at me like, who does she think she is? And as time went by, you just stop dancing. And so then I realised, I actually couldn't care less what anyone else thinks now I've moved on beyond that, that now I love jumping up and dancing and I've got my wobbly bits that wobble and keep wobbling when the music stops and and I don't care what other people feel or think or do or react to what I'm doing now Mm. but for many many years I stopped dancing I think unless it was constructed and what was I knew rehearsed and perfect was safe that's safe parameters I think it's fascinating the way that we as individuals and collectively respond to those who are brave enough to just be them so Mm. you know you'll have people that you might term weirdos or eccentrics or you'll turn them celebrities or musicians and whatever, whatever they're doing, they're doing their thing without anyone really caring, just the same, the, way, the same way as the five-year-old child will twirl and twirl through the music inside of their head. Now, we either put them up on a pedestal and think they're amazing or we cut them down and shame them because we are threatened by somebody who basically has reached a place within themselves where they don't care what anyone thinks and or they're just happy to embrace their true selves and how jealous are we? Exactly. How many Western adults walking around are, you know, living purpose and joy and feeling that sort of lightweight, not caring what anyone else thinks? It must be. do You know, there was a fascinating. I was talking to some girlfriends about this last night. The documentary they did during the World Cup soccer, where David Beckham went to a remote tribe in the Amazon, and this was a tribe that no one's usually ever really allowed any access to. So him and three others were had special permission to go in. And David Beckham, so he spent a bit of time there. Now, first of all, he said was the obvious relief of no possessions, no responsibilities, you live in the now moment, there's no materialism, there's nothing, you just sit in the sun, you play, you eat, you go to sleep, it wasn't a big deal, you know. So he was out of that, he'd been in his crazy tour schedule and his interviews and his cars and all of his shopping and all of his hotel rooms, like he came out of that and went into the jungle and that calmed him down. But the second thing he said was it was so relaxing for him to not have to be the celebrity to be David Beckham with everyone projecting what they think, how he should respond, how he should behave, what they think of him, tearing him down, pulling him up like all of this stuff. He they didn't know who he was and they didn't care and he could be anonymous and it was so freeing for him to be anonymous. You know, okay, I've got a lot to say on that. I, I totally get that, but the other thing is that that to me is a sign of a celebrity that's actually has bought into being a celebrity because I remember seeing Madonna um going to her dress rehearsal now she could have been walking down the main street of adelaide with no security guards and nobody would know who she was because she looked so average She just looked like an normal person do you know what, what i'm saying what was she supposed I to look like i wouldn't recognize if david beckham walked into my house now i wouldn't recognize him you would too. no you. i wouldn't no I, I, honestly <laughs> i wouldn't i'd go there's a hot guy yeah But I wouldn't recognize him, no. Or I might have that, oh, your face is familiar, do I know you? Now, look, I get that they have loads of people that do recognize him. I totally get that. But it's not that hard for celebrities to go places unnoticed. It's not. Yeah, okay. It's a choice. I do get, though, that that freedom of not having other people's projections placed on him. I totally get that as well. I also feel with shame, so once you're recognizing the physical signs Try and grab what it is and and sit in that horrible, anxious, awkward moment to really own what is it that you're ashamed about here. And then once you think, I can't believe that I didn't know who David Beckham was. I can't believe that everybody else knew and I was shamed that I didn't know him. And maybe he even made me feel ashamed that I didn't know who he was. So let's explore that. Let's gather some evidence that I'm not alone in this. Let's find other people that don't know. Put a post on on Facebook. I want to hear from anyone who doesn't know who this person is and put the photo up. And then people will say, I don't know who it is. Who is it? And you start to gather evidence that there are other people that don't. You're not stupid. You're not an idiot. We don't know everything and we shouldn't have to know everything. Mm. So, really start to find other people that share the same story that you do so that you don't feel alone and therefore the sting of shame disappears because how can everybody expect me to know who David Beckham is? I love it. I really love it. I think, I just think that's fantastic. It, you know, like Jane said at the start of this podcast, you try and find one person out there who doesn't have a story of shame. We've all been there. It's a very commonly felt, universally understood emotion. And, and it is funny in the isolation factor, how we all think it's just us and we all think that we're the only one who's ever had this, this horrific secret or this awful moment, you know, that sort of stuff. I'd, I'd also challenge people to look at their coping behaviors around shame. So when you are shamed, what do you do? And get some conscious thought around what you do in that moment. Well, I bet that if I was, would use the I mean, it's a really pathetic excuse to use David Beckham, isn't it, where there's so many more things that you would feel shame about. However, continuing with the trend, I would probably start madly researching him and Googling him and wanting to educate myself on him. Why? Why do I need to know who this soccer player is? It's not a part of my life, but that's what I would do. Like you're trying that to, would be you're my making reaction. Up for I'm making up for speak. it, and then I'd probably spend the next six months talking about David Beckham and name dropping. But at the end of the day, I'd probably have a really funny story to tell about the time that I met David Beckham, and everyone knew who he was, and I had no idea. Yes, so that's right. <laughs> but then there's the kind of shame that gets really unhealthy, where it's either pushed down, it and then it and then it comes out as other things. It comes out as anger. It comes out as violence. Look at the prison system. You know, it comes out as addictions. You know, it comes out as Tumours and cancers, this kind of thing. So it's a very heavy, poisonous emotion in its worst form, in its shadow form, to not deal with. Now I think we can only feel shame as adults, as consciously aware adults. We can only feel shame when we feel that somebody has made us feel shame because we ourselves feel that how we have just behaved is not in alignment With how we see ourselves, right? Because shame is about who we are. Like, so, because guilt, which is closely associated, guilt is more about actions. I didn't do this. I should have done that. That kind of thing. Should have worked. Yeah. Shame is something wrong with me. I am bad. And this, I don't identify with this. This is not the picture of who I am. Of who I believe I am. So we need to dig that out. But first off, well, dig that out and have a look at why doesn't this sit with you? What, What is the picture you? have of yourself and what is it that you're not owning and therefore you are feeling ashamed that somebody has seen within you? Yeah, makes sense. Mm. So I guess a question to ask yourself is I want to be perceived as and fill in the blank and I don't want to be perceived as and fill in the blank. Just to get real with, with what to you're get really, real feeling here with your emotions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And also, can we just do that exercise? Okay, so, so for me, if I go back to that little that little girl yeah. that was that that wanted to feel pretty, so I want to be perceived as pretty. I don't want to be perceived as a show off. Good one. So, where is the line between? So, what I probably had done there was owned how I wanted to be perceived, but in the actions of that, I was perceived as a show off. So, therefore, I would need to explore the term show off a lot more. Yes. And then ultimately come to the realisation that if I can sit comfortably in a truth that's with me and others can't, that's actually their stuff. Yeah, well, no, and that leads me beautifully to my next point. Thank you for the segue, Jane. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. you think we'd scripted this beforehand, <laughs> um, which is that. <laughs> I wonder if we'd ever do a scripted podcast. Okay, so there's there's two there's two parts of shame. There's the, There's one where one individual shames you in a one-on-one face off and then there's where the whole tribe turns on you. Yes. Now some of the biggest healings I've had to do psychically when I work with clients is when, you know, they were ostracized from the village you know, for being who they were, being a healer or for having a radical idea, for sticking up for someone. You did that for me. I've done one for you. It's really common. It's really, really common. And now when I do those sorts of healings with people, I often have to kind of get them to imagine the whole village coming back into the room. Yes, yes. And you need to actually talk to the collective consciousness because sometimes the whole group needed to have, an experience together so if you've had if you've been embarrassed for example on stage in front of an auditorium full of people or on live television or you know in the school yearbook where everyone can see you one of those kind of mass. I think I've had all of those oh look because, because you're human <laughs> but I'm actually saying from a deeper soul level all of the soul's who were involved in that scenario actually got something from it, some, some at a very subtle level, some at maybe a big level. Everyone was a perpetrator or a victim or, or had some sort of an, inaction, you know, a, an exchange of energy in that action. Now, if it's a one-on-one, it might be almost a little bit easier in the sense that you can do an exercise where you sit down and you really have a look at that person and you'll know within five minutes of probing, are they happy in their life? Are they living their truth? Do they bounce out of bed every morning in a state of higher vibrational joy? Probably not. How does it serve them to put you down? How does it serve them to suffocate you, muzzle you, shame you? Because it's the classic bully stuff. It makes them feel better about themselves. I love that you've said that because I know we've touched on judgment before in other podcasts that others will only judge you in the negative to make themselves feel better. So that can take, by by really understanding that, and I love when you've said, are they unhappy in themselves? You know, no, them having a crack at you to shame you is only to make themselves feel better. It's like, okay, so I'm overweight. So I'm out at a restaurant and I'm eating and maybe I'm feeling a bit shamed because I'm eating something I probably shouldn't be eating. But then I look over and I there's at the table next to me, there's a lady that's much fatter than me. Let's make the judgment because oh, it's okay. At least I'm not that bad <laughs> you know that's it it's terrible but that is True. that is the truth of what judgment is that yeah. is the absolute truth we only judge another to make ourselves feel better about ourselves because no other reason we carry these pain bodies inside us and often you know those of us particularly who are highly sensitive and we've had some emotional baggage we're carrying these bowling balls of shame and guilt and these awful feelings and what do we do we handball them so if somebody else comes along that's looking a bit vulnerable it's like we literally pick it up out of ourselves and and throw it over to them and say you carry this for a while and that's what that's how we bully we shame we judge we do these sorts of things because we're suffering more that's right so 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 the person who's who's shaming you you just really have to intellectually get your head around just remember they are suffering so much more that's exactly what i was going to say thanks Beth. no it's fine (laughs) i can say it again if you like (laughs) but it is true because once you recognize that they are serving a purpose to themselves it kind of takes the sting out of it Mm. it's like oh so what Mm. so what however i also want to talk about um the ability to help somebody to keep face yes beautiful dignity 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 you know, we did a podcast a few weeks ago about that beautiful poem, The Invitation. Yes. And, um, you know, I don't care what you do for a living or what car you drive. I want to know how you, and then it would go into some beautiful, rich emotion, how you feel or how you behave in this situation. And one of the things that I find the sexiest, not sexiest, actually, let me change that word. One of the things that I find the most impressive in life, the most impressive qualities that I could ever see in another human being and it takes my breath away is when I see somebody make somebody else feel comfortable when they were uncomfortable it's a it's a gift of grace it brings tears to my eyes I have tears in my eyes right now because it is the classiest most self-assured and powerful thing that has been demonstrated to be able to do that to another with ease, with grace, without them even realising that you're doing it. It's helping them to save their dignity. I've given this little story before, but I'm going to give it again because it's, it's perfect for this one. So a friend of mine was at a supermarket, and she's an amazing spiritual teacher, so wise. And there was a man in front of her who was buying some milk and bread, I think. Anyway, he had a couple of coins in his hand, and he looked like he was pretty down on his luck or he was living life tough. And he dropped his $2 coin and he, the, the, the checkout girl and, and my friend and this guy were looking everywhere for the coin. They couldn't find it. And um, and so he left one of the items behind and he just paid for the milk and left the bread behind or something like that. Now, I know everybody at this point would be thinking, for goodness sake, why didn't your friend just give him $2? No, because she is one of these people. The dignity givers? The dignity givers. I like that, the dignity givers. So anyway, she put her shopping through and she was keeping her eye out in the car park on where this guy was walking to. She got in her car and she followed him. And then he went down a side street so she pulled up next to him with her window down and she said, I found your $2. And he was so excited because he didn't want her $2. He wanted his $2. He See, I've got tears in my eyes. Yeah. This is the empath in me coming out. Probably. He didn't want her to open her purse no. and shame him in front no. of the supermarket, saying, I'll just give this to you. Yes. So she knew this and so she went, now it was her $2. He didn't need to know. She wasn't looking for validation of how amazing she is as a person. That was pure dignity, just so beautiful. And so, you know, in that she she looked after his shame. She made sure he didn't feel shame and she made sure that he was keeping face, you know. It's so beautiful. It's so empowering. It's It's a lovely spiritual gift to give. Did you want to talk about what's happening in school? Oh, yes. Yes, let's talk about shaming in the sports arena. Ooh, okay. Yes, so interesting that um, the passive-aggressive and shaming that goes on in sport when, you know, when it starts to get a little bit more serious and and there's various different titles on the line and Mm -hmm. prestigious positions, Mm -hmm. I am astounded at the number of coaches whose method style is to shame people that they truly believe this is the way to get the best this out of be people. This would be in business too, wouldn't it be? Oh, totally. It's everywhere. It's like, still, I can't believe that in 2014 this is still the main style of motivating people. It is the main style is to shame them. Yeah. Where the fuck does that come from? Go, oh, Jane. Oh, my God. <gasps> Just a little upset about this scenario. But, uh, but you know what? You're I'm a parent. A you're a parent with kids being coached and you're seeing it and it's not cool. In my opinion, it's a, it should be illegal. It's abuse. In my opinion, it absolutely is. And I can hear people saying, oh, but you can't wrap them up in cotton wool, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm not talking about criticizing people. I'm talking about deeply shaming them, deeply shaming them, shaming children who have been, had so much pressure put on them and they've performed their best. However, they feel themselves that their best is not enough. They have a few tears in their eyes and they are shamed. Oh, it's just atrocious. And then to have the passive aggressiveness of coaches to then bring back up situations where they were shamed repeatedly to continue to shame them on the same topic over and over and over again. I can't understand how this can be legal. What do you suppose is the best way to confront a shamer, a serial shamer? <laughs> Okay, so my naughty girl in a child, my 15-year-old who just quietly rocks and you never want to get on the wrong side of her, she wants to come out and she actually wants to totally blow him off, verbally abuse him to give him the same energy back and I could tell you I could do it in such a better, like I could really have this person reduced to a blubbering mess. But that is not the way to deal with it. And the that's is, the reaction that I want to do. Is. And this this particular sports coach, he's in the school system. He's not going anywhere. He's obviously got childhood issues. He's not going to deal with them anytime soon. He's not interested. This is his modus operandi. This is how he operates. Well, like, the hilarious thing is that I actually gave him an hour of coaching about inner child and he recognized it all within himself you? and highly sensitive. Yeah. Oh, okay. Totally. And I was really excited because I thought we we're going to see a different coaching style. No. In fact, he used that information in the shadow side to identify how to bully children further. What advice do we give to parents on that note then? Look, this was an opportunity for my child to, I can't believe we're even talking about this. I hope nobody listens to this from that tribe. This is a valuable opportunity for her to go, not everyone's going to like you. And she does have to build resilience. And that's exactly what she's done. It's the real world. It isn't is the it? real world. I just wish that it had happened a little bit later in life than it did, but it's happened and she'll be absolutely fine. And we do have to build resilience to this. Um, I also did a lot of energetic work with her and had her try to reduce his energy with all the various tools that we've talked about on the show and to also energetically call in the coaches that she Loves working with and have them actually energetically by, right by her side. And that's worked fantastic. As a parent, I've decided the best way to rapport build with this man is to actually just let it happen. And I'll wait until he no longer has an influence, an influencing role in my daughter's life. And then I'm going to tackle it through higher levels. Right. Only because I feel so wrong that this is just, this is, I feel it's so wrong. And I feel as we get toward the end today, something that I want to share from my experience with shame is if you're the person who feels shame for whatever reason, and I think we touched on this earlier in the show, it is often around secrets and it is it is around feeling like there's something about you that you cannot possibly tell another person because it will actually lead to a worse situation. You'll be shunned or judged or then they'll know and the shame will increase and this sort of thing. And yet, of course, studies show and the psychologists will tell you, if you're somebody who's keeping that level of suppression locked deep with inside you, you are dragging bowling balls around you every day. It's like you've got an anchor or a ball and chain or something attached to a chain on your foot. And it is so freeing to find a trusted person to let that go with and who will listen and understand and you know for me being a writer since i could hold a pen since i was the youngest child you'd say what are you going to do when you grow up and i would say i'd be a writer what did i do well i went out and became a journalist professionally what did i do really to honor my real true creative writing self well i wrote and wrote and wrote pages and pages of stuff at home and then i locked them away and burned them now that's another form of shame in terms of not really believing in myself, vulnerability, thinking that what I had to say was silly or ineffectual or, you know, fluffy or not important. And really I'm secret keeping there, aren't I? And it's about actually we'll take them out, dust them off, publish them, let other people read them, push yourself outside of your comfort zone. And that's what I'm saying with shame. You are going to have to face the fear. You're going to have to face the firing squad sometimes with shame and you're going to have to go back to the place that you're most scared of going in order to break through it and evolve beyond it. As I recognize shame, I build resilience to it. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Wellness Couch uh, for our weekly uh, half-hour show. You can also find us on iTunes Australia. Our Facebook page it is facebook.com forward slash love life show. We love to hear from you guys. Please keep the amazing questions coming through that you ask us about your lives so that we can weave them into the fabric of the, the topics that we discuss here on the show. And until next week, own your own stuff. Don't be afraid of your secrets. Be gracious to all that you come into contact with who may be feeling a bit of shame. Life is perfect, I'm not trying, it's just happening.